live in front of a national studio audience. It's on Tilt Sports. Featuring cutting-edge gambling analysis of hot college football action for your betting success. Look out now. Here are your hosts, Liam and Clayton. Welcome, everybody. We are back for week two NCAA football. We're going to do a little recap of week one, uh, let you know where we were right, where we were wrong, and look forward to a pretty soft week two compared to week one. That was one of the best week ones I remember in terms of scheduling. Um, I don't know, man. What were some of your reactions from week one? Uh, We'll get into the specifics later, but any big takeaways? Yeah, so first of all, what's up, everybody? Um, glad we got week one of the books. It was, like you said, Liam, a really exciting week. A uh, l- lot of big matchups. You know, college football the last you know five, six years or so, I feel like they've been trying to put some higher profile games on uh, that week one slate before NFL starts when they have all the eyes on them. Uh, I feel like they did a really good job this year putting some good teams on there. Um, you know, big big takeaways. You know, we'll, we can talk about um, some of the big games. You know, let's let's just start with Thursday. We'll start Thursday. We watched Ohio State against Minnesota. Um, Ohio State cruised to victory, but you know what, man? I, I felt like Minnesota put up a good fight. Um, they they ran the ball well. You know, got some first downs on the ground against that Ohio State defense. But the Ohio State offense was just too explosive. You know, the receivers Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are faster than any DB in in the Big Ten. So. Looks like it's going to be smooth sailing. To be honest, Liam, you tell me how you you think. You watched the game. What do you think of C.J. Stroud? I w- was not that impressed. He, he looked kind of scared. And again, I know he, he's redshirt freshman. It's his first start. They only played a handful of games last year, so he didn't really get much time to, to even to go in for some mop up time. But I thought he looked like a deer in headlights. Looked kind of scared. Uh, looked a little sloppy. Hopefully, he he kind of clears it up for week two. But what what do you think about C.J. and the Buckeyes? Uh, in the first half, I was thinking, you know, get get the Quinn Ewers man in there. Uh, let, the, let the guy <laughs> yes. get, get, in, get some reps. Uh, but no, then he turned it on in the second half. I think it was only a matter of time before those receivers are going to break through there. Uh, I want to talk about row the boat, PJ Fleck, real quick. Yeah, you know, that score is a little misleading. And I'm very fortunate because I took Minnesota plus 14. Uh, so I love the push there for the two of us. I think you yeah. got it at 13 and a half for Ohio State. So you're a big I winner did. there. Luckily, ha- the half point win, I'll take it, baby. Let's go. By the hook. By the hook, everybody. When you're on those 14s, 10s, 7s, and 6s, take the win. Don't go for the push uh, like I did. That was a big mistake. Uh, I should have <laughs> taken it at 14 and a half. We both could have been big winners. Uh, but nonetheless, I-, I thought that ballsy call in the first half to go for it on fourth and I think it was one or two handed it off got a 70 yard run that really sparked the offense it really sparked the actual environment of the game the fans finally started getting into it Uh, I think Minnesota was leading at half after that or if not maybe early in the third uh, then it started to get away from them so um, no it was good though Um, PJ Fleck uh, I appreciate that guy I enjoy watching him but uh, dude we had five days of incredible games I mean every single day uh, maybe the Monday of Labor Day wasn't that spectacular, but it was for me. Shout out Lane Kiffin for the late weekend bailout. Um, I'll be perfectly yes. honest. I had zero read going into Ole Miss, Louisville. I knew both offenses, I thought, would be really good. Um, thought, you know, Ole Miss plays in the SEC. Their defense has to step up a little bit. Maybe Louisville is kind of gimmicky. Turned out to be correct. Uh, I didn't really have a read on it. I literally flipped a coin and uh, put my negatives on Ole Miss and was very fortunate that they covered. That game was in cruise control, though, so I'm stoked. Thank you, Lane Kiffin. Uh, Late weekend bailouts are always fun. Absolutely. Yeah, it was was hard to tell with Lane being out that game, but I felt like they weren't really going to have an issue, and they didn't. I did put money on the over. That was one of my two losses on the week. Um, Ole Miss offense looked as advertised. They looked good, moved the ball pretty easy. Matt Corral looked comfortable. But unfortunately, Louisville just looked really bad. The quarterback was kind of lost. Offense was not doing anything. So they did not help me out in getting that over. Uh, but over and overall, Ole Miss looked good. And I'm excited about them this year. If I recall correct, I think uh, Coach of Louisville, Scott Satterfield, uh, formerly Appalachian State, uh, that guy can put them together. So I had high hopes for him going into year two. We talked about year two coaches, even though year one was kind of a wash. We'll see what they put together uh, in conference play, but that wasn't a good representation. 
Uh, they almost actually yeah. backdoor hit your over with a couple late BS touchdowns. So yes, I know of- almost, almost little backdoor action. Yeah. So uh, before we get into our first segment of the week, which is going to be where we were right, where we were wrong, just a quick recap of a couple of these things. Now looking at it, Oklahoma survived a scare from Tulane. I believe last episode you had mentioned that Tulane was actually slated to be the home team for this. And then Hurricane Ida uh, pushed that game to uh, Oklahoma. So that could have been a different outcome. Uh, We'll probably talk about Spencer Rattler a little bit. Uh, Wisconsin, what are you doing in the red zone against Penn State? Uh, (laughs) Oregon, big scare from Fresno State. Uh, Cincinnati looked pretty good, but it's the other Miami. Miami of Ohio actually might be the better Miami, personally. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. And then we'll get into the rest of them. Those will be main talking points. So real quick, let's go uh, where we were right, where we were wrong. Uh, I'm going to start with myself and where I was wrong. I called University of Washington coach going into year two, Jimmy Lake, a dog. Yikes. Uh, he's a dog in a different sense here. Uh, Montana, the Grizz, taking down UTUB. Uh, the Pac-12, as usual, looks like a fucking joke for the most part. Uh, and that is just an embarrassment from them looking to be one of the top dogs in the North and in the conference uh, going down to Montana. So. I am wrong on calling Coach Jimmy like a dog and thinking UW could make a decent amount of noise. I probably said their season over nine games or whatever it was. That's looking kind of shit now. Um, Clayton, let's talk about where yeah. you were wrong. Uh, mainly, I want to talk about Graham Mertz. Tell me about that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that uh, that was a big um, noon kickoff game on Saturday. Ohio State, I'm sorry, Penn State playing at Wisconsin. Um, two ranked teams, um, you know, like I said, high profile Big Ten game. Um, both defenses, they, they looked really good, obviously. Um, you know, Penn State's defense, they, you know, w- Wisconsin got what they wanted on the ground, like in, in between the 20s, you know, the, the big, you know, fat 60-yard part of the field. They got whatever they wanted, but Penn State's run defense really tightened up inside the, the 20, inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, um, which was nice to see for them. Um, Wisconsin, they look good on the ground for the most part, but yeah, man, you nailed it. Graham Mertz looked absolutely freaking pathetic, to, to, to say it nicely. He looked pathetic. I mean... Not, not only those two interceptions, of course, stood out. Or did he have two? He might have had a little bit more than that. But I know there were two big ones in the red zone toward the end of the game. Um, but there were other throws, you know, inside the red zone where he was trying to fit it in into the end zone, trying to throw into double coverage, triple coverage at times. I'm surprised he didn't have more touchdowns. I just, I just, I just can't figure out how you you know, you, you dedicate your life to, to being the quarterback, being the quarterback for, for Wisconsin. You finally get a chance to play last year coming off COVID was a total shit show. And that's the performance you put out there. You know, I, again, I, I know it's week one. I know you want to give these guys some time to get comfortable and, and whatnot, but I just, I just could not fathom him, him looking that bad and looking that pathetic, um, you know, get, getting ready for the season. I just, I just was very surprised. So just to clarify here, you're not buying, Week two, Graham Mertz for Heisman at 400 to one. <laughs> I am not buying that. I am not going to, going to, going to bet on that. Um, I do have, I do have a play in their game this weekend though, of coming that, that I do kind of like, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but it has nothing to do with Graham Mertz putting the ball in the end zone. I'll tell you that. Fair enough. Let's move on to where we were right, which we were much more right than we were wrong. Uh, I'll start. I'm going to tout my own horn here. I hit one and have pushed on another season total after week one. That's right. Uh, Clemson. Clemson Cash will that, lose baby. to Georgia. Cash in it. Uh, Clemson will lose to Georgia. Play that sound bite. Your Clemson Tigers are going to lose to Georgia in the opener. Under 11 and a half wins on the season. Take that to the bank. Uh, nothing feels better than a season bet. Cashing on week one. Also, I am currently pushing, which is all you can ask for on Kansas <laughs> The Jayhawks over week or over one win on the season. Uh, Let's week go. One was dangerous, dangerous man. Uh, that game almost went to overtime. Uh, they scored with like a minute left, a couple bailout calls, but I love it. Uh, the fans in Lawrence stored the storm the field. Uh, incredible. Two other things that I am massively correct on. Uh, give me Virginia Tech. The Hokie Birds maybe the spring that upset. Virginia Tech will beat North Carolina, and they Let's did go. on Friday. 
What a weekend slate. Lastly, Indiana, and the jury's still out, is going to massively underachieve this year. We are well on our way. Now, let's talk about Clayton, where you were right. Bryce Young, crafty, savvy. Bama's going to roll Miami. What you got in that game? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess I'll take credit for that. That was an easy prediction. I'm sure everyone else predicted the same exact thing. But, you know, Bama Bama looked as advertised as they have looked for the last 10 years or so. And, yeah, man, I mean, like I said, Bryce Young is the definition of savvy, crafty, you know, clever. He's not the biggest guy. He, he's not the fastest. I mean, he, he can run. He can pick up some first downs, which he showed in that game with, with his legs if he needs to, but he's definitely not looking to run. He's looking to sit in the pocket. He's looking to distribute, and he just has a very impressive skill set as of now as, as a young player, only a um, redshirt freshman, I believe, and I'm just excited to see what he can do in the future. And again, I know, you know, all these Alabama quarterbacks look great. Uh, Three of them are going to be starting in NFL games this upcoming weekend, which is incredible. Jalen Hurts, uh, Tua, of course, and Mac Jones. And after watching on Saturday, I mean, I know it's a tiny sample size. This might be a little overreaction, but I think Bryce Young has the potential to be the best by far out of all those three. He just, he, he looks the most polished. He looks the most athletic. Just really looks like looks like a thirty to thirty five year old out there on the field. Just just knows what he's doing, kn- knows how to manipulate the defense, and it just looks really impressive. And w- one more thing I want to point out about Bama, which is you know way different than a lot of a lot of other schools. You know, uh, most other schools, you're a top recruit. You know, the coach tells you you can play right away. You get to the school, you play as a true freshman. You're you're the go to guy as as a sophomore and a junior, and it's really the offense is really all about you if you're like a five star stud player. Alabama, that is absolutely not the case. Just just to even get on the field and be be in the starting lineup, just to get out there for a play with the Crimson Tide uniform on in the Alabama jersey is just so incredible. These guys, the last really the last three, four years, I've noticed they just seem so humble, just so grateful to be out there in the field. And it just shows shows how hard it is just, just to get on the field and get some playing time. I noticed uh, one of the running backs fumbled. Um, he got yanked out of the game right away. A wide receiver dropped the pass. He got yanked out of the game right away. These guys just have no room for air and they, they must be just absolutely perfect and on point. Every play, it seems like otherwise their ass is getting yanked out of the game because they have other guys behind them that are just as good and waiting to rate their turn. So just the fact that they just seen the machine that Alabama is, it's like a conveyor belt on a, in a Ford factory, Ford automotive factory, just churning out parts, churning out NFL players. They all look the same. They're all ready to go. And they just they just reload like they do every year. Very impressive program. You trying to get a shout out sponsor from Ford Motor Company? <laughs> I am. Ford Motor, Motor Company. Shout out Detroit, Michigan. Let's go. We're looking for some money here. <laughs> Speaking of Detroit, Michigan, let's go to their big brother, Ohio State. Clayton, you are absolutely right in saying Ohio State's receivers are insane. Yes. Yes, they were. Ridiculous. Let's talk about those guys. Yeah, so kind of like I mentioned earlier, you know, Garrett Wilson is lightning fast, Chris Olave, lightning fast, smooth. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, CJ Stroud did not look comfortable. I was I was not impressed with him at all, but his receivers made it easy for him. He found the open guy. They ran most of the way. And he he's like He's given the, he's given the keys to a Ferrari as like a 16 year old. Like here, son, here's a nice ass car. Just don't crash it. Be safe, and you'll look good, and and you'll be fine. And that's that's really all he has to do because his receivers are going to take him to the promised land, take him to the end zone all year. Absolutely, you couldn't be more right on that. Uh, a few other things we were marginally right, marginally wrong on, but we do a lot more winning on this show than losing. So. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, I want to segment into uh, our next little clip here, uh, recapping week one. So we talked about a few of the games. You know, we can go line item by line item. But, you know, I just want your general th- – where do you want to go with this? We can talk about Billy Napier. Yeah. We can talk about Texas. We can talk about Georgia Clemson, defensive shootout. Where do you want to go? Yep, I know exactly where I want to go. And I, I want to talk about the quarterbacks. And – Obviously, the the NIL thing, the name, image, and likeness deals that these players are getting this year is a huge deal. Um, it's it's going to change college sports. They're now, you know, quote unquote, legally allowed to get paid here, as if they weren't before. The biggest difference now is they're allowed to flaunt flaunted on Instagram, the fact that they're getting paid and getting get all this nice stuff. They don't have to hide it from Instagram anymore, which is nice freedom for the kids. But you know, th- these guys. 
you know, c- kind of like some of the young NBA players, young high-profile NFL players, they're, they're getting, you know, all this hype, and there's it, a lot of pressure. DJ, uh, Uwe Ungalale did not look good. Graham Mertz looked pathetic, like I talked about earlier. CJ Stroud did not look good. Quinn Ewers hasn't even played a game. He's getting rich already. Uh, Sam Howell is 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 getting rich already. He looked pathetic as well on Friday. So just just kind of a theme. Really, the, the one big-time, big-profile quarterback, NIL deal quarterback that I thought was impressive was Bryce Young, like I mentioned. Um, you know, Hopefully, these other guys get on track. Maybe it's just the week one jitters, not looking as comfortable yet. But it just looks like a lot of these guys think that they have it made already, that they're, they're the stud, they're the star, and that's really not the case, man. I hope that they just put their head down, get, get in the film room, and just get, get back to, to winning football. Spencer Rattler, too, man. He's one of the high-profile guys. Se- second throw of the game against Tulane. I don't know if you're watching Liam. Just chucked it up over the middle into triple coverage. Just like, bro, what what are you doing? Like, that just is such a lazy, just nonchalant, like, oh, I'm fucking Spencer Rattler. I can throw the ball wherever I want. Like, no, no, you cannot. The ball will get intercepted. This is not practice. Like, get your head out of your ass, and let's get ready to play ball. <laughs> uh, this is not practice. Yeah, you're right. This is not practice because Oklahoma's supposed to have a defense, and I wouldn't have assumed Tulane's at that level, but shit, uh, they surprised him. And or maybe he was out partying the night before. Never know what these college kids are. Uh, you said DJ looked bad. Uh, DJ, I don't even. DJ, you <laughs> looked bad. DJ, you. Uh, yeah. I disagree. DJ looked good in the sense of the post-game presser. You see him trying to do his best Cam Newton with that hat, with that vest. I saw his Dr. Pepper commercial. Uh, is he distracted? Is DJ and a few of these other guys, I don't think Graham Mertz got paid, if I'm just guessing. I don't know who would sponsor that guy. But are these guys distracted by the NIL deals, by just trying to chase that cheddar instead of focusing yes. on games coming up? Or is Georgia that good in the case of DJ? Um. With that second question, a little bit of both. So I, I do follow Graham Mertz on Instagram. The the second, the clock turned 12.01 on, on NIL day, you know, Spencer Rattler, him, all these other guys were just, were announcing their NIL deals, blah, blah, blah. Graham Mertz acting like he, he's a top guy. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the quarterback at Wisconsin. I got this deal, that deal. Like I said, you look pathetic, bro. So I think there is a little bit of, of distraction going on. Um, you know, like we talked about over the weekend, Liam, you just mentioned it. DJ looking like Cam Newton has a stupid ass, stupid ass, you know, tall hat, whatever top hat that he's got on. Like, dude, you, you cannot wear that if, if you're playing that bad in college against Georgia. Like, I, I know Georgia's, Georgia's defense is great. I'm not going to say they're not. They got a bunch of NFL guys, but you there's no reason that you need to be looking that bad and that you can't get first downs and you can't score a touchdown. But let me, let me back up a little bit. I will defend DJ in, in, in the fact that yes, he did play against Georgia's defense, not Penn state's soft big 10 defense. I, I know all you people want to say Penn state's defense is great. Let's slow down a little bit. They're big 10 Mertz is embarrassing. Georgia has a lot of NFL guys. Also from the broadcast and the Clemson game, you know, Kirk Herbstreet pointed out a couple times. There was there was one time in particular, the running back and the tight end both ran literally the exact same route. They just kind of veered off toward the right-hand side of the flat. Receivers just kind of just ran up the sideline, a little fade route. There, there, there was no, no attempt to get open, and there was really nothing for him. So... We'll see how they do, you know, later in their schedule once they get into the non, the rest of their non-con into that soft ACC schedule. I think they will bounce back, but I think the the main key and the main takeaway from this weekend is that DJ Mertz, Rattler, all these other guys, Sam Howell was terrible. Um, they are distracted, and hopefully they get back to the film room. Hopefully their coaches get get into their ears and they start focusing on ball again. Uh, I want to talk about the upcoming games for week two. Uh, We'll get to that in a second, but the one that we have isolated is Iowa State and Iowa, the battle for the Cyhawk Trophy. Um, Let's talk about how these two teams did last week. Iowa, Indiana, and I was in every second of that. Um, Absolutely did. Uh, They ran it down their throats. They had two pick sixes, so it did inflate the scoreline. They had 30 points or close to it at halftime, scored four or seven uh, after, I guess it'd be hard to score four. You'd need two safeties. That didn't happen. But um, really, that game was on <laughs> autopilot at, I don't know, five minutes left in the second. Um, they looked great. Iowa State, on the other hand, what did I say about little brothers in state? UNI, Northern Iowa, taking them to the brink, 10-16, uh, to 16, your final. 
So going into the Cyhawk Trophy game, people are selling Ohio State or Iowa State. Nobody's selling Ohio State. Uh, they are selling Iowa State. They are buying Iowa, the Hawkeyes. Uh, this game, I believe, is in Ames. We will confirm that as we start breaking it down. Uh, should be interesting. Spreads only four, though. Four points, depending on the book you're getting it in with. Uh, so that is something we will talk about in more depth. Uh, I'll be honest here. I did not watch the Cincinnati game, but they kicked the crap out of Miami, Ohio. And I think the, the, they outdid the spread maybe by double. Uh, that's a good sign. Uh, I believe the first, or if not the first, one of the few uh, non-Power 5 conference teams to start the season in the top 10. Uh, and they are going to remain there. Uh, certainly when we pull up the rankings for week two, we'll see that. Uh, Alabama, Miami, like you said, uh, that was never going to be a contest. I don't know. I, I think I said third string quarterback's going to be in in the third quarter. I'm not sure that happened for Alabama. Who are their backups? Do you have a read on that QB room? Yeah. So I, I did not watch the Bama game long enough to see anybody but Bryce Young get in the game. He was in there up like deep into the third quarter. Um, I, I did watch a little bit after halftime, had my eyes on some other games because it was a blowout, obviously. And I did play Alabama covering the first half. I think it was only 10 and a half. That was an easy win. Um, but I did not see any any backup quarterback play for Bama, if I'm being honest. Um the rest of the team, I know there there were second, third stringers in there on on the D line, on the rest of the defense. Um, but l- like we always say, man, every year it's just the next wave of NFL players waiting to get on the field. So it was just another wave of of young NFL players getting their first, maybe you know, first significant taste of college football. And I'm sure they'll be great later in the season if they have to contribute and next year as well. So. Yeah, shout out Papa Saban for leaving Bryce Young in the game to work out those kinks that were so evident. They got Mercer this week. Look out for the the Bears or the Grizzlies or whatever the hell they are. Hey, hey, um, hey by, by the way, shout out Papa Saban. I did watch him um, earlier today at the podium, uh, talking to the media, trying to get ready for this, this week's game. Classic Nick Saban playing psychology with his team really calling them out, really saying they only played one legitimate half of football. It was 27 to three, I think going into halftime. And then he mentioned the score in the second half was like 18 to 16 or something like that. So the last half of football they played, it was very close. Not a lot of urgency on Monday. Apparently they, they had a bad practice. Coach Saban wasn't, wasn't happy with it yesterday. They were complaining about how hot it was. So just a lot of, a lot of negative stuff coming out of Tuscaloosa heading into Mercer uh, this weekend. So maybe we should be worried. Uh, I'm just kidding it's going to be a cakewalk and hopefully there's fans in the stands otherwise nick's going to complain about that too so i have yet to find a book that's offering a money line on alabama <laughs> that's how bad it is uh they it's gonna are be minus going t- it's going to be minus 10 million probably but yeah <laughs> yeah man uh let's talk about the tag 12 uh actually got a dub for somebody who was uh, i think number 11 in week one oregon uh looking not great against fresno state as we were saying last week or last week, what are we doing scheduling 11 a.m. kickoffs for the home team and the perennial top dog in the North Oregon Ducks? Uh, that is bad on the Pac-12 new commissioner there. Um, maybe he didn't yeah. have the power to change it last second like that. But uh, Fresno State put up 24 in Autzen. Oregon only put up 31. Uh, the Boston College transfer not looking great. I don't know how much of this is Fresno State, a very, very, very quality Mountain West team for the last several years. Uh, how much of it is that? How much of it is Oregon looking bad? But if you're the top dog in any Power 5 conference, and I know Pac-12 is on the fringe of that at this point, you shouldn't only be winning by seven there. Uh, by the way, UCLA looking very good. Uh, went into week one not ranked. I believe they're number 16 or so now after the big win over LSU. Uh, as we talked about on the last episode, LSU starting quarterback out. Uh, didn't really seem to matter that much. UCLA got after it. Uh, and guess what? UCLA plays Fresno State two weeks from now. They get a bye. They played week zero, week one, get a bye. Uh, But they are playing Fresno State. Look out for that game. If Fresno State's as for real as I think they might be, uh, that national championship that UCLA thinks they just won could be really (laughs) short-lived. And they're going to have to donate that confetti from the Rose Bowl uh, back after losing to Fresno State. We'll preview that in looking ahead to week three. Uh, Anything else from week one that you want to cover? 
Um, yeah, we mentioned a little bit about Sam Howell and North Carolina Tar Heels playing Friday night in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech. Uh, very disappointing showing for the Tar Heels. Um, they have, you know, national championship, Final Four hopes for them. Sam Howell has Heisman hopes. And they, I said earlier, they look pathetic. No juice, no energy. Sam Howell stands back there in the pocket with the ball in his hand, just flat feet, flat feet, heels on the ground, just no urgency. Every time they put the camera on Mac Brown, just a a stoic face, just no no juice on the Carolina sideline. You know, maybe they're not used to playing in front of a a, a packed house. It was popping up there in Blacksburg, which is great to see. Great to see fans back in the stands, but, um, not a good showing for the Tar Heels and let's see if they can get back on track this weekend. So, and then also you mentioned Oregon, um, Oregon. I I didn't watch that game to be honest. It was not on TV anywhere. It wasn't a nationally televised game. I imagine they probably took it easy. Um, you know, with, with Ohio state coming up this weekend, didn't, didn't want to show too much. Kayvon Thibodeau got the ankle injury, which is, you know, a little, little bit of a scare. He came out with, with a walking boot at, at, after halftime. Not sure if he really needed it or not, or if they're just playing a few psychology tricks in Ohio State. But um, Ohio State's run defense did not look good against, against Minnesota. I could see Oregon moving the ball against them, but I don't see them keeping up with Ohio State, man. They, they score too easy, too fast. They can get whatever they want, whatever they want, it seems like. We didn't even address one of the best stories of all time in sports. I know. Uh, when you have Mackenzie Milton uh, getting into the game for Florida State, and I am pissed that the Florida State starting quarterback lost his helmet in that game because otherwise <laughs> my spread wouldn't have been ruined. I chased. Do not chase teams that are starting to look bad. And you know what? Never chase Notre Dame. I think I started at minus seven for the game. I got him again at like minus nine after that easy first touchdown. Then they started looking not so good. I think it got him again at like minus four. Guess what? They won by three in overtime because this kid comes <laughs> out of nowhere from the Disney movie, isn't supposed to walk again, and leads Florida State to forcing overtime. Um, Mackenzie Milton, man, that is a great story, though. I'm not even that mad. No, man. Like you said, great story. We haven't talked about this game. I was totally wrong on, on a lot of aspects of this game. First of all, I played the under. That was a, a huge loss. Both teams, you know, I thought both teams actually played pretty good defense. Both run defenses were pretty good. Uh, Florida State's D-line did a little bit better than I thought against Notre Dame's um, run defense, but there was a lot of big plays. Notre Dame scored on some big plays. Florida State scored on some big plays. That kind of led to a lot of points, so the score was a little bit misconceiving compared to how, how good the defense has played. Um, I mentioned Jack Cohn earlier. He was the ex-Wisconsin starting quarterback. Uh, left Wisconsin. Notre Dame named him the starter. I was like, man, I, I don't remember ever seeing anything good from Jack Cohn at Wisconsin. So if he's Notre Dame starter, they must not have much much of a passing game or much of an offense. But he looked, he looked pretty good. Um, looked a lot better than he ever did at Wisconsin. Put up some points, which was nice. And then you hit it, man. Mackenzie Milton, I think I mentioned on, on the last pod, I was watching the game live when he hurt his knee against South Florida. It was disgusting. I felt, I felt awful for the guy. Um, like you said, wasn't sure if he was going to be able to walk again, let alone even play football. Uh, he looked pretty comfortable in the pocket, just like he did against UCF, which was great. There was even one play where he scrambled. He kind of dropped back and, and pushed off and kind of exploded out of the pocket and, and went upfield for a little bit. And I was like, whoa. That, that was not what I was expecting to see. He kind of pushed off that knee a little bit, and it was a really good sign. So hopefully they stick with Mackenzie Milton going forward. The starter they had, Jordan Travis, I think his name was, did not look comfortable and not look very good. Um, I'd like to see what Mackenzie Milton could do, man. He's, he's a good story. Jordan Travis, keep your chin strap tight. You cost me <laughs> my whole bankroll, essentially, because I was chasing. Uh, but right. it's okay. Did the week positive. Uh, thanks to Lane Kiffin again. Shout out, Lane. Um, maybe you should miss more games, man. You look pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah, that game was something. Tallahassee was popping. That was fun to see again. Um, I mean, they've been in the dumps for several years for being a traditional power. Uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. How bad did you think you were to leave Wisconsin, uh, for Graham Mertz beating you out? Do you think Wisconsin's kicking themselves right now? Maybe a little bit. And this is, I guess the Don Graham Mertz show, uh, while you were talking about him and his (laughs) deal, I went to look it up. Uh, he trademarked his own name. So, you know, that's worth yeah. a lot right now. Uh, you know what, though? Hopefully Wisconsin gets back on track. I don't mean to beat the guy up too much. Um, these are kids at the end of the day. Granted, kids who can get paid. So with much power becomes uh, comes yeah. much responsibility. So, um, you know, if you're going to be flaunting it out there, I hope you're bringing it um, kind of an NFL dynamic. If you want to be in the league, this is what you have to get used to. Uh, last thing I want exactly. to say about week one, 
Um, going back to Bryce Young, speaking of NFL ready, you see that kid's post-game presser? Probably not. You were probably watching other things. Man, he's I ready. did not know. That is the most mature kid I have seen in NCAA football. I know a lot of times these big-time schools, they will have specific media personnel to give some training to their players. But you've seen some of these post-game pressers, uh, and even a quarterback, somebody who's supposed to be the leader of the team most of the time, somebody who's going to have maybe that uh, ability to speak and be the face of a program. Sometimes they don't bring it, and uh, man, did he. So I'm excited to see what happens to him for years moving forward. As you said, he may have the potential to be it uh, at the league and uh, or in the league and actually be the best Alabama quarterback out of the bunch. Um, so those are our yep. overreactions from week one. Uh, we did talk about a little bit. Yeah. And uh, just so you know, uh, us on this podcast, uh, we, we don't hedge. Uh, maybe if I'm on like 14 <laughs> or 15 of a 16 game parlay and I'm successful so far, I'll, I'll be the first one to get over to Vegas and hedge. Uh, but man, when Kansas was down three with a couple minutes left, I thought, would have been smart to take the opponent here who's plus juice to just cover my season bet, and I'm win-win either way. Guess what? I didn't, and now I'm just looking for the profit, looking for the green if Kansas can steal a game the rest of the way. Um, and that's an interesting dynamic because looking at their schedule, I can't believe I'm talking about Kansas so much. Sorry. Uh, but they're probably <laughs> not going to win another game. I need to get lucky there. Yeah. Uh, likewise, Clemson frankly may not lose another game looking at how soft their schedule is and how it lines up for them despite those two things happening in week one they're going to play out in opposite fashion so book me down for a one and 11 kansas and an 11 and one clemson running the table maybe trying to sneak back into the cfp uh we will see what happens however on the last pod and the last thing i'm very happy about this previous week uh, NC State looks really good in the ACC. Yeah. They always give Clemson a scare, and that could be interesting. But regardless, Clemson's going to go undefeated, maybe lose one more. Kansas is going to go un- undefeated, probably not win another uh, unless they take a, a conference opponent to overtime, something like that. So uh, let's look forward to week two. We've got a couple big games coming up. Um, well, I'm trying to make some hype out of this. They're not that big compared to week one. We were spoiled. Uh, early on, uh, 12 o'clock noon Eastern time, we got Ohio State hosting at the shoe, the Oregon Ducks. Uh, again, yep. we just covered how both those teams looked. Um, that's lining up interesting. I'll get you a spread in a minute. Uh, a couple more big games to look out for. We got the Cyhawk Trophy, number nine, Iowa versus number 10, Iowa, or I'm sorry, number nine, Iowa State, number 10, Iowa. Uh, kind of ironic given how they were showing. Crazy. Both Iowa teams ranked in the top 10. I think that's the first time ever, I want to say. It's the biggest battle for the Cyhawk trophy in history. Let's and go. we were talking about how we love this game previously. Who schedules the biggest game of each of their years on the second week of the season? Week two. These guys do. Yeah, got to love it. Uh, give us some fun here. Utah at BYU, the late game, the Holy War. Uh, Utah winners of something like eight, nine in a row. Uh, but if you look back, aside from last year, BYU-Utah, that game has been decided by like four or five points or less, every single one of those eight or nine, except for the last one where it was kind of a blowout. Uh, yeah. Look for Utah uh, coming in at number 21 this week to make some noise there. Got two more for you. Texas A&M going to Colorado, but I like not it. Boulder, Colorado. Playing in Denver, uh, Jimbo's got that team cranking. A&M's looking good. They're trying to get into the CFP for the first time. Uh, I want to say ever. If not, it would only be the second. Yes, uh, and going to elevation early in the season, we usually love to fade any team playing the Broncos, playing at Boulder early in the season. Right. Uh, same thing true of Denver. However, let's be real. This is Jimbo going against Carl Durrell, Colorado Buffs. Uh, by the way, Colorado Buffs are breaking in uh, their sixth Ralphie, I think. Uh, great tradition okay. in college football running okay. around. Uh, I remember we got to see that, and Ralphie just ran right into the back of the trailer, like three feet in front of us. Almost got my arm taken off. That was uh, so cool. Last game that we want to isolate, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, 1 Hawaiian. We got Texas uh, against Arkansas. This game normally wouldn't be on my radar, but I just want to see if Steve Sarkeesian can follow up that performance in week two. Um, those are some biggies, but what are you looking at week two, Clayton? Hey, one game you did not mention, Liam, um, that is intriguing for me. NC State is playing at Mississippi State. Um, I think I think that's unique. Just NC State uh, has a really good team this year. You know, kind of um, 
low profile team. You know, they're, they're not sexy. They don't have a sexy coach. No one talks about them. Um, I forget the name of the quarterback even, but they looked really good in their opener against South Florida. Granted, it was South Florida, but they took care of business just like they were expected to. A big shutout win there. Mississippi State, you know, barely uh, coming off that win against Louisiana Tech. They had a one-point win. Kicker missed it. They they blocked the field goal at the end of the game, which was great. So that's going to be an exciting one. Um, And yeah, I'm intrigued with the the A&M at Colorado game, playing in Denver. You know, initially I was like, oh, I mean, A&M is going to beat them. Obviously, it's going to be easy but it's tricky at Colorado, the altitude, not sure how winded these guys are going to get could be tricky. You never know with Colorado. So that's a good one. Um, I think the one that I'm looking most forward to is the Iowa, Iowa state game. Um, you know, just a, just a bunch of corn fed Iowa boys playing some football. Iowa state opened up against Northern Iowa playing another in-state opponent in the rival Iowa gate college game day on ESPN is going to be in Ames uh, for that game. So it's going to be fun. I, I, you know, Beginning of the season, I probably would have taken Iowa or Iowa State to win that game. Now I'm, I'm I think Iowa's going to win. They looked really good against Indiana. They dominated Indiana. Iowa State looked pretty soft against uh, Northern Iowa. So look for the Hawkeyes to pull off the upset in Ames this Saturday. Not so fast, my friend. I am going to pull, and this is in my six pack and a shot. Uh, Iowa State gonna get the W. Uh, it's been a minute for them, and despite everything trending in the wrong direction, if you're an Iowa State backer, and me being so high on the Hawkeyes, uh, sometimes when you look at these lines, uh, I'm just going to go against my logic, because a lot of times that works out for you. Give me <laughs> Iowa State, the Cyclones, to get the dub. I think you and I might be better than we think. Uh, trivia okay. question for okay. you, because you referenced Colorado, Boulder, Texas A&M. Uh, what's the elevation in College Station, Texas? College Station, man, I'm going to guess 120 feet. 338. What's the elevation okay. in Denver? Um, Don't be 5, dumb. 5,300 something. Oh, you're so close. 5,280. It's the Mile High City. It's a mile. I did know. I did know that a mile was five thousand two hundred eighty feet. I did know that. I wasn't going to guess that it'd be right on the dot, so I figured a little bit over. But, but yeah. Right on the dot, dog. Uh, So, you know, is that a little difference? It is. Uh, We'll see what's going to happen. These guys train at Elevation in Boulder, which is uh, close to that. You know what? Well, we're on the geography here. Uh, Let's just look up Boulder's Elevation and be done with this. 5,328. So these kids are coming down Elevation. Wow. Their their lungs are going to be fresh and feeling good. (laughs) All those red blood cells are going to be cranking spectacular. Um, so right. yeah, let's talk about some of these games. It doesn't need to be the ones I mentioned, but, uh, looking at week two before really getting into our picks, you just teased me there. Uh, I'm just going to say Utah, I think romps BYU. I think this is the reality check time, despite the spread being, I believe within seven. Uh, again, I'm going Iowa state here, Texas A&M, Colorado. I think there's like too much. And, and this is where we'll disagree again of that talk about the elevation of that talk about like Carl Durrell had a really successful first year. You got to throw that out the window. I think AM rolls. Uh, Ohio yeah. State, Oregon, spread bumped up to 14 and a half right now. Um, originally coming into that game, I thought, ah, oh, they could probably give them a run, maybe keep it at seven, eight, nine, ten points. But Ohio State looks too good. I think maybe it's close for a minute, and Ohio State pulls away probably a 20 some odd point winner, worst case, 17, 18. So I'd side Ohio State there, but no real confidence on that. You never know what's going to happen. Rooting for the Pac-12. We need something good to happen here. Uh, what are the yeah. games you like in this weekend? Um, another one, not sure if you mentioned it or not, Washington plays at Michigan. Um, now, I know Michigan, they just played Western Michigan uh, last weekend. Uh, they blew them out, which is what, what they should have done, but Michigan had a key injury on offense. Their best player, best receiver, torn ACL, nasty injury. I saw that on a kickoff. Unfortunate for that kid. Hopefully he can come back. Um, Washington looked terrible against Montana. Let's go Grizz. Making me want to throw in a a um, Grizzly uh, Grizzly mint mint dip. What's the yeah the, the brand the brand Grizzly? Yes. Every time I think of Montana, I think of the the Grizzly the Grizzly dip brand. Anyways, off topic there. But um, I I, I like the under in that game. Montana's I mean um Washington's a defensive team. They showed nothing on offense, obviously. Jimmy Lake is a defensive guy. Um, you know, the Michigan offense has not been great the last few years. They looked okay against Western last weekend, but they Michigan kind of has a trend of 
quarterbacks and their offense looking really good in the first game and then really just going downhill after that. So I like the under in that game. Um, let's see. One game I, I did want to ask you about, Liam. I, I was considering putting it on, on my betting sheet, um, and it's a team that, that we haven't talked about yet. Let's talk about your USC Trojans, baby. Fight on. Oh, it was a close game. It was, what, 13-7 to at one point in the third quarter. They ended up pulling away, getting a 30-7 to win. I kind of like their line this week against Stanford. It's only minus 17. Stanford looked pretty bad against K-State last week in, in Dallas. Stanford is, is not looking to have a good season. So I kind of like USC to cover that game, but they weren't that great against San Jose State last week, right? What's, what's your feeling on the Trojans right now? Don't trust Clay Helton when it comes to spreads. You better like buy some alternative line spread there, cover for like the Clay Helton factor, you know, 8, 10, 12 points, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Uh, some dumb decisions going to happen there. Keaton looked a little bit off too. I don't know if his decision making just wasn't quite there early on. I do think San Jose State will be decent. They're going to smash that over seven and a half season wins. Um, but they ain't that decent uh, for the fact to have to be, you know, within a score late in the third at the Coliseum. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Stanford, uh, they're going to be starting a new quarterback for this game. Uh, this guy got in in the second half of last week against K-State. Looked pretty good. I think he was like 9 of 11 or 10 of 12, something like that. But they were all dump-offs, easy, you know, bubble screens, stuff that you should be completing. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people feeling good about the USC Trojans. Uh, if you look at the bet nuggets on ESPN and a few other sites, you know, they're isolating that as one of the three, four, five games you should probably be on, be on USC side, minus 17 or better. Uh, I just, I, I don't know, man. Um, we tend to play down to competition. We yeah. don't really tend to play up to competition for the most part. Uh, so I, I would stay away uh, protecting your bankroll, that hard-earned money, like you said. We both work. Yeah. Most everybody listening to this works. Protect your money. Make smart investments. Um, this would just be a complete toss-up, which also, if you're feeling frisky, like I was on Monday night for the Ole Miss game, flip a coin, and maybe either way you'll be successful. you got a half-half <laughs> shot there. Uh, thank sure. you for bringing that up, though. Yeah, that, uh, that scoreline's misleading. Uh, defense looked pretty solid, actually. I will give them that. Not that I think San Jose State uh, is the next Oregon Ducks circa 2007-8-9. Uh, but they looked pretty damn solid playing against Nick Starkle. Uh, that boy looked lost. Um, he was like two of 10 in the first half or something like that. Yet it was still wow, a close okay. game. Uh, do you watch any of that? Probably not because it was on P12 Network, the worst network in all of America. Yep, I did not watch any of it. We did not watch a single play. I have pretty average cable here in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. South Carolina, technically, we live in, and it was on Pac-12 Network. I do not get it. Could not get a stream, so I saw saw none of it. So could only go by. That needs to end. Uh, I live in Southern California, and I wasn't able to get a stream. I had to bootleg off like Jesus. my, my parents-in-law. It was ridiculous, man. Let's go, um, SC. Come on. <laughs> It's ridiculous, man. Uh, real quick, the random game of the week with no prep. I'm going to throw this at you. Give me a winner. VMI, Virginia Military Institute, playing at Kent State at 1130 in the morning Eastern on Saturday. Who you got? Why are the, man? I mean, just getting getting a head start on on some TV time, I guess. But um, you know, to be honest, I know nothing about VMI. Literally nothing. Uh, Kent State. I know they like to go fast. So they're they're uh you know a group of five team. I'll take Kent State to win that game, but I will ridiculous. take Virginia Military <laughs> Institute in honor of this game. Watch out! Twentieth anniversary of September eleventh. Uh, I do not know this okay. I will look that at yeah yeah look for the win there. Uh, other military oriented games. We got Air Force playing Navy. Until Navy shows me something, I'm going to take Air Force. Also Navy. Doesn't know what a forward pass is. Uh, that hasn't worked for several years. Uh, running their offense as it has uh, been customarily pretty decent in the past, especially in that Army-Navy game, one of my favorite games of the year. But Air Force knows what a forward pass is. Uh, this game, I don't know where it's being played. I'll get a quick read on that. But uh, give me Air Force to cover whatever the hell the spread is there. Uh, I believe that game is probably being played in Colorado, even if it's not. doesn't matter. Um, and again, hey, if, military if ceremony. If you guys would just want an absolute lock of a bet, just just pure principle, take take the under in that game. Service Academy unders are all day long. Army, Navy, and Air Force, I believe. I mean, they, at least they have been up until this year. They all run the option. It's going to be running the ball three yards in a cloud of dust. The clock is just going to be ticking 
the whole time. It's going to run out fast under, under, under. It might only be like 40 or 41, but I would still play the under. It might be 13 to 7 at the end. No, that's exactly it, man. When you see an under that's abnormally under, when you see an over that's abnormally over, it's tempting to go, oh, well, that's not going to happen either way. Uh, go with what the line's stating. If the over-under is 36 points, take the under because there's a reason the line's that low and it's so tempting. Most of the yep. money is going to be on the over there. Uh, go ahead and take that uh, sharp position there. This game's being played, actually, Air Force at Navy in Annapolis, Maryland. Doesn't matter. Air Force okay. Falcons going to roll. Uh, I'm expecting 15 plus point win. Uh, spread is within seven last time I checked. So okay. we're introducing a new segment on this show, uh, and this is going to be my favorite. As you heard last week, we have season long wagers. Uh, I believe four of them, one of which already pushed. So really, we have three of them uh, related to uh, Clayton and myself uh, buying each other something nice, uh, or rather, Clayton buying me something nice. Uh, what we're going to do we. is add on every week. We call this six pack. And a shot. We're going to have six picks that are at the spread. Uh, we will see who has the better record each week. Uh, and whoever has the better record is going to get one point equal to one season long bet for that. Uh, if it's a push, this is going to be like a skins match in golf where it carries over. So we could push, you know, being six and oh, okay. like we're probably going to be, you know, five times. Uh, and then that sixth week is going to be worth that much more. Uh, so looking at that, we're going to alternate here. The shot, just to qualify this, is a plus. 300 or better bet, whatever you're feeling for the weekend, this won't factor in to the actual standings of our season-long wager tally, uh, but it's just a little bit of fun, and honestly, this is where you can really make some money if you're feeling frisky. Uh, I will start us off. Your lock of the week, week two NCAA football, is your former Fighting Lane Kiffins, Florida Atlantic, uh, playing Georgia Southern. Uh, okay. Minus seven. Give me Florida Atlantic. Georgia Southern only beat an FCS team by five points last week. They might as well be FCS. And FAU lost at the Swamp, Florida, 35-14. to 14. We're looking okay. FAU minus seven. Take it to the bank. What you got? I like it. I like that pick. Uh, they have Nikosi Perry, I believe is his name, the ex-Miami quarterback down there at FAU. They played Florida pretty well last week. I like that pick. Uh, first, you know, I'll start off with, with a big game, game of the week. Why not? I'm going to go Iowa. I think I saw um, you can get a four and a half at, at some, some shops right now. So I would say give me Iowa plus four and a half. I think they're going to win outright, but just in case something goes crazy, which it probably will, it, it's Iowa, Iowa State. Something always goes crazy. I'll take the four and a half just to, for a little extra protection. Uh, give me the Hawkeyes, baby. Let's go. And I also have Iowa State under win total on the season. So this is going to be just a double whammy for me this week. Iowa's going to cash in this week, and then it's going to help me cash in that Iowa State under later this season. Your subconscious is leaking into this. You know you have that bet. <laughs> That's why you're taking Iowa. Again, logic with sports betting doesn't always work. Um, God, what was that one? Clayton, I feel like you were looking at a bet, and you're like, there's no way James Harden's not going to get that many assists, and then he totally did. Uh, it goes the other way sometimes. So for TCU, that's my second pick of the week. Minus 11 and a half, they are playing the Cal Bears, who lost to Nevada, the Wolfpack, over the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, that was also part of my issue. Uh, I, I went in on Cal at halftime. Uh, that didn't work out. TCU, talent edge. TCU, better coach Gary Patterson. Uh, TCU, playing at home in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Cal plays in the Pac-12, autofade. So give me TCU, the Horned Frogs, <laughs> minus 11 and a half as my second six-pack pick. Man, I'm liking your picks, man. I might, I might piggyback off some of this. But, um, yeah, like TCU, uh, not a good look for Cal last week. Although Nevada, they got a good quarterback, Carson Strong, going to be an NFL guy. But still, can't be losing to Nevada, man. Come on. Um, all right, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to the Big Ten. I'm gonna go back to my Wisconsin Badgers, and like, what's the theme of the show so far? We're just gonna shit on Graham Mertz. I'm gonna shit on him some more. No, I'm not gonna take Eastern Liam Eastern to cover Eastern Michigan. That is, but I'm gonna take the under in that game. Like we talked about last week, Wisconsin's offense looked pathetic. Um, their run game is really great, though. Always. For the history of time, Wisconsin has a great run game, really since the 90s. Um, looking for them to run the ball, keep the clock moving, make sure that they that they secure a W this time. Can't go 0-2, obviously. Uh, their defense looked really good against Penn State. Now, granted, 
Penn State didn't look good either. Their quarterback, Sean Clifford, he looked pretty pathetic too. Uh, didn't really have much else going for them. But um, I like Wisconsin's defense. I don't like their offense. Give me that under. I think it's around 50 or so, 50 or two, uh, 50 to 52, uh, Wisconsin, Eastern Michigan. Hey, give me your number. You have to lock this in. Let's call it 51. Let me, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Give me, give me Clayton scanning five the book seconds. to see the best line for him. Perfect. 52. 52. 52 it 52. is. You are taking the under there. Game under. number three for me. Tulsa plus 12 and a half playing at Oklahoma State. Uh, Tulsa keeps this one close. Uh, they are 8-2 and two at the spread in the last three years when they're double-digit dogs. You like that fucking research? You do. Uh, Spencer Sanders okay. is questionable. Okay. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, I'm assuming he's trending to start. Uh, but I think last year, the year before, I took Oklahoma State with a heavy line, and then he went out of the game, and that team was completely uh, That is their captain. Uh, he's going to run that offense. If he's half, is he? if he's 60%, if he's not 100%, that's going to be an issue. Uh, I like Tulsa here, and I love fading Mike. I'm a man. I'm 40. Gundy. So give me Let's Tulsa go. plus 12 and a half. Who you got? Liam, let me ask, I got to ask you on this pick. Do you know that Tulsa lost to UC Davis last week? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter 19 to, at all. 19 UC to Davis. 16. <laughs> I still like it, though. That's, I still like it. That's exactly what's going to happen. The, the public's <laughs> going to be researching. The idiots, and they're going to be like, well, look at that. They lost to UC Davis. UC Davis usually gets rolled by Stanford uh, at the beginning of every season. But um, I don't know. Who knows? Up and coming, you know program that we don't know anything about it could be the uc system they got those cranking yep yep i hear you all right um i'm gonna go to another game that we already mentioned uh, mentioned a little bit washington and michigan um washington obviously last week they lost what 16 to 10 or so to montana they looked you know pretty pitiful no offense uh michigan i i i don't trust their offense ever like i said i know they scored quite a bit last week but um you know, I, I don't trust Harbaugh. I don't trust their quarterbacks. There's nothing about the Michigan program I trust other than Harbaugh being weird. Uh, give me the under in the Michigan-Washington game. I don't see see much much going on in that game. I see the clock moving, a lot of dullness. And you got defensive mind, clearly, Jimmy Lake, against FCS Power Montana. Only gave up 13, so you never know. Um, By the way, the under win. is 48 and a half. 48 and a half, that is low, and you are taking the under, correct? Oh, under. That's Give me the under. money right there. There's a there. reason why it's low. Uh, That's right. You know what? I'm going to skip down to uh, one of my later picks of the six then. Give me the University of Washington plus seven in the big house. Uh, if you know I anything like about me, which you don't, it's that I don't <laughs> bet over unders. I hate it. You have to wait till like the third quarter to know if you've even you know got a shot either way. Uh, it is a smart move. Clayton does it a lot. He's successful. Uh, but give me a team. Give me a team I can be invested in when there's like a pick six in the first quarter or something. Uh, UW plus seven at Michigan. This is like an abusive relationship. Jimmy Lake, he cannot keep hurting me. Maybe he will. Um, you know, just maybe Michigan's equally good. Maybe a little less good than Montana. I could see that. Jim Harbaugh, probably on his way out. He restructured his deal last year or the year before to remain, uh, which looks good. It's like, oh, Harbaugh got a contract extension. If you look at that thing, it was basically like, don't fire me. I'm down to stay here. Uh, and he, right. he, yeah, Western Michigan, directional game last week. Uh, Western Michigan didn't look good, but Michigan inflated scoreline. Uh, but yeah, what is your pick uh, number four here? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the Big Ten for whatever reason. Um, there's a few Big Ten games that I liked, or at least Big Ten teams. I'm gonna go uh, Ohio State, Oregon, and again, I'm not gonna play the spread like you mentioned, Liam. I do like over unders. Um, you know, spreads. You can get some backdoor covers here and there. Um, I, I do like playing some totals. Give me the over in Ohio State, Oregon. It's 63 and a half at the moment. Looks like is the consensus. Um, you know, kind of like it hit on earlier in, in the show a little bit. Um, Ohio State's run defense did not look that great against Minnesota. Minnesota, you know, used the ground and pound game pretty good against the Buckeyes. I imagine Oregon to do the same. Uh, Anthony Brown, probably going to be the starter. Um, this coming week, he's more of a runner anyways. Look for them to do a lot of zone read, um, you know, keep the chains.
chains moving with the run game. Hopefully they can capitalize in the red zone. Hopefully they can get some touchdowns instead of settling for field goals. And then Ohio State, let's be honest, man, they're going to roll out of bed, score 40 to 45, probably pretty easy, probably going to be pretty quick. I just need Oregon to score, you know, 20 to 30 points or so. And I think that should be a pretty easy over. All right, all right. Let's move back into my fifth pick here. NC State, the Wolfpack, minus one and a half at Mississippi State. Uh, I don't Ooh. care if this thing's being played in Stark Vegas. NC State was dominant last week uh, against USF, 45 nothing. I believe the scoreline there. Uh, Mississippi State trailed like 34 to 14 in the fourth quarter against Louisiana Tech, Law Tech at home. Uh, Louisiana Tech's season win total is four. Yep. Uh, and they almost squeaked one out there. Uh, they rallied in three fourth-quarter touchdowns. I think, like you were saying, they blocked a field goal at the end or something like that. Um, that was also a brutal bad beat for overbetters if that field goal had gone through. Uh, so the Pirate goes down at home. Give me NC State. Uh, that is a lock. Minus one and a half. I like it. I like it. I had that game written down, was kind of nervous about it. Um, I'm not going to play it, but I, I do like that NC State pick. I think it opened – last time I looked at it, it was minus 2.5 NC State. It's down to minus 1 now, but um, I, I like it. I, I like that play. NC State looks really good, kind of an undervalued team right now early in the season. Um, next place I'm going to go – this might sound a little weird. I'm not feeling great about this one anyways, but give me the University of Virginia, the Fighting Who's. Minus 10, give me them to cover that against Illinois, the, the fighting Illini. Um, kind, of, kind of a weird game to pick, but Virginia, they looked good last week. They played, I think it was William and Mary. I want to say they won 42 or 43 to nothing, which, you know, the opponent that they played is, is not that impressive, but they took care of business, they did, did what they should to a team like that. Illinois coming off their big win against Nebraska. They lost to UTSA last week. I believe it was like 37 to 30 maybe. Um, You know, UTSA is pretty good. They have a pretty good quarterback, mobile guy. Um, But, you know, coming off beating Nebraska, Illinois should have had a better showing. I like Virginia to be pretty comfortable in this game. Give me the, uh, the 10 points there, minus 10. I like that pick. It's the first pick of yours that I have liked. You're doomed. Uh, or I'm screwed let's go. either way. Uh, let's go to game number let's six. Pitt minus three in Knoxville. Give me on these six picks. I'm going with four teams playing in what they say are hostile environments. Uh, OK State, Mississippi State, Michigan, and Tennessee. Uh, until Tennessee shows me something better, I'm going to auto-fade them every week. Um who is their coach? Uh, you tell me in a minute, but their coach a few years ago, since he took over, started fading them every game. I want to say Butch Jones. I Butch don't know if Jones, that's baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is simple. Fade Tennessee every game until they show you otherwise. Pitt, they're going to play reliable, well-coached football. Uh, minus three in Knoxville. Could you have imagined telling that to Peyton Manning fans in 1998? Oh. Uh, but Man. look out for Pitt. Uh, they're going to play quality football probably. Uh, get the outright dub there by 10, 11 points or better. So go ahead and smash that. That's the end of my six. I like it. Pitt, Pitt is a good pick. One of those consistent programs. Always going to have good line play. Uh, really consistent head coach and Pat Narduzzi, Tennessee rebuilding. Uh, Josh Heupel is the coach there now. They look pretty decent, but they only they played Bowling Green at home last Saturday. So I'm not really sure. Uh, like that Pitt pick on the road. Um, I'm going to go the last the last game I really feel good with, feel good about. I, I shouldn't because it's a rivalry game. Going to go back here again. I'm going to take Utah minus seven against BYU. Um, is it is it still minus seven? Let me let me double check that. Yeah, go ahead. Lock Let's that see. in at whatever the current rate is. Current rate, current rate. Minus seven, yes. So I, I, think, I think there's some value here uh, with this number at minus seven because – Utah, um, veteran team, like we say, always good line play, always good uh, O-line and D-line play. They have a veteran quarterback, Charlie Brewer. We talked about him last time, came over from Baylor, really going to open up the vertical pass game. BYU, not really sure what to expect from them this year. Opened up with a win at Arizona. I think it was at Arizona. No, it was, it was in Vegas against Arizona. Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah. Yep. This past week was pretty impressive, but... 
it was Arizona. Arizona is, is in a huge rebuild right now. They don't have any players. I'm not sure what to make of that of that BYU win. They're more of a consistent program right now than than Arizona is, to be honest with you. Um, so I like Utah handling um, the handling the Cougars pretty comfortably on Saturday. Fair enough. You lead me to uh, not my shot yet. Uh, but if you're looking to take a shot here, uh, not the one I'm going to endorse, but just going to tell you on the side, I'm feeling Arizona to bounce back against San Diego Aztec, or San Diego State Aztecs. Uh, when they San Diego State did not look good the first half three quarters yeah. of the game last week. Their offense was pretty pitiful, so I do like that pick. Also lost money on that Saturday night was my downfall, or Sunday night, whatever that was. Uh, there were some great moments. Yeah. There were some downs. Uh, again, thank you, Lane Kiffin, for the bailout. Thank you, Tennis, for giving me the buffer. On the front end, uh, whatever weird sport you're into, MMA, tennis, uh, Romanian table tennis, whatever you like to do, uh, go ahead and build that bankroll for it Saturdays because this is what it's about. All right, here's my shot. Delivering everybody listening to this, all two or 20 of you, uh, plus 384 odds. My shot is a parlay. University of Washington, the Huskies, Take down Michigan outright. That's plus 220. I'm going to parlay that with something that's not going to make Clayton happy. Iowa State money line. I don't trust the four. I trust an ugly game. They win by two or something like that. Uh, They're minus 195 money line. You parlay those two. You are plus 384. UW with the dub and Iowa State with the dub. I will say this. I love how uh, opposite we are on the Iowa-Iowa State game right now. You seem, you seem pretty confident in the Hawkeyes. I'm mean, sorry, in the Cyclones. I am pretty confident in the Hawkeyes, so can't wait to watch that game, man. We'll, we'll see who's right uh, later in the day on Saturday. Going to be a good one. All right, for my, for my shot, as we call it, um, I'm just going to take a single game here. Um, I'm going to take a pretty big underdog. I'm going to take the money line. Give me the Buffalo Bulls. They are currently plus 14 and plus 475 playing at Nebraska in Lincoln. Um, now, here, here's my logic. Here's my logic there. I have not watched Buffalo, to be honest with you, but I do know that they had a really good coach who was at their school. His name is Lance Leipold, uh, knows how to build a program. Obviously, those Mac schools aren't churning out NFL players like some of the um, Power 5 schools are, so... I imagine they're going to have some veteran players that that Leipold recruited that kind of, you know, taught taught his ways, kind of ingrained the right way to play football in that program. I kind of trust some of those those veteran guys that are probably on the on the Buffalo roster and Nebraska is an absolute shit show right now. Everyone's calling for Scott Frost's head. He feels the pressure. They don't have any confidence. I don't have any confidence in them. Give me the Buffalo Bulls outright winner against Nebraska in Lincoln this weekend. Lock that shit up. You sure you want to do that? Um, no, but for this pod, yeah, I am. Let's do it. <laughs> why? Why? Uh, do they have a bunch of COVID opt-outs or uh, COVID? Uh... No, no, no. Nothing related to this week, but it's funny. I was gonna right. bring, I'm glad you brought in that Kansas coaching transfer uh, to uh, this conversation related to Buffalo. How, how Buffalo much have we talked program. about Kansas uh, on this pod? Are we Kansas Whoa. fans? I mean, this is this is the new Kansas Homer pod. Let's go. Hey, talk. talk. <laughs> Uh, let's go, uh, what I wanted to say is, yes, he took the head coaching gig in Lawrence. Secondly, he took nine of his best players with him for transfers. So uh, look out. I don't think a lot of those boys are still there, but I like the balls. Uh, I also think, as we've said, cardinal, cardinal rule on this show is fade Scott Frost. He is probably the worst coach in America. I stand by that statement from last week. Uh, look out for Buffalo. Also, the MAC, uh, one of the more fun conferences to watch. Maction, MAC, Mid American Conference or Mid America Conference, one of the two. Um, not on my six pack and a shot, but by the way, if you want something absolutely degenerate just to trip up your bookie or whatever, you know, your group thread with your boys, uh, give me the South Alabama Jaguars minus Woo! 14 at Bowling Green. Bowling Green looks as soft as they come. South Alabama played well against a solid squad in Southern Miss. Shout out Brett Favre uh, from back in the day. So give me the Jaguars. Um, Really quality team. Super athletic. So that's that's another fun one. That's your bonus pick. Um, We got these locked in. We'll see who wins the week. Like I said, we could push because we're probably going to go 6-0. Actually, we're probably not because we're opposite on a couple. 
Uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe a five and one, four and two week. Anything in the positive money will do it for you. Clayton, any parting words for the listeners? Um, you know, I did. I, UCLA is not playing uh, this weekend. Um, I don't. I don't think they are. Yeah. I didn't really mention much about them myself, but um, Liam, you're going to hate to hear this, you know, being a, being a USC grad, but um, really excited about, about the Bruins this year. They look like one of the three, you know, real teams on in terms of like power and line play in the Pac-12. Them, Utah and Oregon seem to have their act together on the O-line and the D-line. That's not a strength of most teams in the Pac-12. So really excited about the Bruins. Uh, they out-schemed LSU, really outplayed LSU, has really good tight ends. You know, really, really a solid looking team. The only only part that I'm kind of nervous about is the quarterback, quarterback DTR. Play. Quarterback. Yep, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Can he make enough throws? Can he be consistent enough? Can he avoid the big turnover? That's really the big question. Um, if he can, if he, if he looks decent, I can see UCLA walking away with the Pac 12 South and maybe even the conference title this year. So excited about the. Bruins. I don't fully disagree with you. Uh, and, you know, I try to be as impartial as possible. Clearly, I'm not the highest on my team. Uh, agree with you about the line play. Uh, shout yeah. out Orgeron for the sissy blue comment. Um, <laughs> the athletic department jumping all over that, producing those sissy blue shirts. Going uh, it's viral. A fun time. It's a fun time to be a Bruin. Um, I, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. No, they look good. Um, don't get me wrong. I actually think they will contend for the Pac-12 South. They very well could win it. We'll see what Oregon becomes at the end of the season, assuming you know Jimmy Lake doesn't miraculously turn around these uh, – University of Washington Huskies. Yeah. Uh, I still think Oregon's going to get there. But uh, that is week two preview, week one recap. We will be back with episode three next week. Uh, hoping everybody's bankroll and wallet is fat after this weekend. And we'll keep bringing it with our six pack and a shot. It's been good. Audio. It's been great. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have fun this weekend.